Today's first reading will be taken from the book of Psalms, chapter 32. Psalm 32 of David Amaskell. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For night, day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave that, uh, the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely the mighty waters rise. When the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the the horse or the, or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, for the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing all who are upright in heart. The second reading will be taken from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 21, reading to chapter 4, verse 8. But now, a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. On what principle? On that of observing the law? No, but on that of faith. For we maintain that a man uh, is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through that same faith. Do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. What then should we say of Ab- uh, what then should we say that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about but not before God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God 
and it was credited as righteousness. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. David says the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. This is God's word. Well, hello. Lovely to see you all here tonight. Um, For those of you who don't know me, I'm Simon, uh, one of the apprentices here. And I hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Um, We had a good time. Uh, But of course, we're in that time of year now, aren't we? Um, New Year's Eve is fast upon us. So it's time for that very important decision. What are our New Year's resolutions going to be? Our resolves for the coming year. And of course, if we uh, turn to the um, uh, the weekend section of a the newspaper, they'll tell us exactly what we need to do. Uh, we need to do more exercise, swap our, our keg for a six-pack, drop a gene size in two weeks by eating nothing but dust. Um, you know, we need to get more organized. No more socks on the floor. We're going to use our new laundry basket. Um, we need to, I don't know, bite our fingernails less or maybe cut them more. Um, well, that's one of the good things, isn't it, about New Year? Uh, we get to have a think about what our priorities need to be going into the New Year, what we really need, what our needs are. And it's this exact theme that Psalm 32 addresses. Um, and actually what it says is what we really need, what all of us really need, is spiritual health. And this psalm acts a bit like a prescription, really, uh, it tells us what we need most isn't to get more exercise, but to have our sins forgiven. It tells us what we need to do most isn't to go to the gym, but to confess our sins to God. Because true blessing is to have my sin forgiven. True blessing is to have my sin forgiven. And that's our first point tonight. Um, please uh, do open up Psalm 32, if you haven't already. Um, Psalm 32. And have a look at me, if you will, at verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. Uh, That word there, blessed, sort of means happy. But it's not a kind of a fleeting emotional happiness, the kind you might get when we open up a present under a tree. Uh, Blessed here means a deep happiness, a deep kind of heartfelt, lasting happiness, a covenantal or um, happiness based on the promises of God. It's a deep happiness. And the person with this happiness or blessing is the person, verse 1, whose transgressions are forgiven. The person who's had deliberate acts of disobedience against God forgiven. The person who God doesn't harbour anger against over their sins anymore. Uh, Blessed is a person, verse 1, whose sins are covered. So if you imagine um, a person seeing a sin as perhaps being uh, stains on us that we can't remove. um, Or blessed is the person who has those sins covered. Perhaps like a a rug over a, a red wine stain or something like that. Away from sight, away from blame, covered. 
Uh, Blessed is the person, verse 2, whose sin the Lord does not count against him. The person whose strayings from God aren't numbered against them or recorded against them to be brought up in court. Happy is the person who is free from accusation before God. The truly blessed or deeply happy person is the one who knows in their heart, who can say in their heart, my sin is forgiven. My sin is forgiven. That's the truth or doctrine of this psalm, if you like. A true blessing is to have my sin forgiven. And the author, David, then illustrates this from his own experience in the next few verses. Uh, we know David, the king of Israel, is the author of this psalm uh, from the text just above verse 1, says, of David. And David says uh, exactly how he's experienced this in his own life in verse 3. Should we look at it together? When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Um, so David had sinned. He doesn't specify exactly what this sin was. Uh, perhaps it was something like his um, adultery with Bathsheba. Um, 2 Samuel 11, uh, for your notes, he committed adultery with her and then uh, had her husband Uriah uh, killed so he could have her himself. And maybe in verse 3 and 4, um, he's just really feeling the weight of that that big sin, so to speak, um, that sin that's on his mind, that one moment of regret, and it feels too big to deal with. So verse 3, he keeps silent. Uh, we don't know that for sure. You know, on the other hand, it could just be a period of little sins, so to speak. You know, uh, the ones day to day he would have committed around the palace, you know, ones of uh, irritability, um, grumbling, lust, kind of the ones he just committed uh, all the time. And maybe he'd just been, you know, quite, he hadn't confessed them to God for a while. He'd been silent. Or whatever it was, uh, David had sinned. And he'd not confessed it. At beginning of verse 3, when I kept silent, he kept silent. Maybe he'd hidden it. I uh, just tried to, you know, kind of forget about it straight away, kind of try and put it behind his back. Uh, perhaps he'd, he'd minimized it, thought, oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. Loads of other people at work were doing it. Um, not that big a deal. Or maybe he blamed it on others. Said, you know, I wouldn't have done it if she hadn't addressed in that way. Um, or said, you know, it's actually only because they're so annoying. Or, you know, I'm just so tired, that's why I've done it. Maybe he uh, blamed it on others. Well, whatever the reasoning was, uh, David hadn't repented of his sin. He'd kept silent about it. And the result of this is awful. Awful. He's left paralyzed with guilt. I mean, he really is. Have a look at verse 3. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. It's a real 24-7 guilt for him. The strongest part of him, his bones, well, they feel like they're wasting away. It feels like they're decaying, they're aging inside him. He's He's groaning all day. He feels awful, completely joyless. His strength and energy is gone. It feels like 35 degrees in the middle of the Israeli summer. His strength is sapped. This is a soldier speaking. He feels weak. Verse 4, God's hand is heavy upon him day and night. The weight of his sin is just too much for him to carry. He's left spiritually weak, joyless, groaning. He's paralyzed with guilt. And I think I know what he feels like. I wonder if, I wonder if you do. 
um, ever gone through a time of not confessing sin and left feeling spiritually paralyzed with guilt, just feeling like you can't actually look God in the face? Maybe a period of, you know, kind of absentmindedly just not confessing sin and not actually confessing specific sin to God. And it can leave us joyless spiritually, feeling spiritually decaying, feeling weak. Um, and we can try to avoid it perhaps by blaming others. Uh, we can try to minimize it, hide it ourselves, uh, pretend it doesn't happen, try and forget about it. But it's dangerous. If we do that, if we keep silent, uh, we will, that's the warning, we will spiritually waste away our weak. It will feel like God's hand is heavy upon us and we're not designed to have to take the weight of our own sin. But the good news is that true blessing is to have my sin forgiven. True blessing is to have my sin forgiven. And that leads us to the key moment of this psalm, uh, the centerpiece, the turning point is verse 5. Verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. David confesses it. He acknowledges his sin. He admits it. He owns up to them before God. So he doesn't cover up his iniquity. He uncovers it. He owns up to them before God. He lays himself bare before the Lord. He allows God to cover over his sin instead. And end of verse 5, God forgave the guilt of his sin. He forgave him, though he'd sinned against him. He covered over his sin. He didn't count it against him. The weight of the heavy hand was lifted. It's like verse 3 and 4 are reversed. He regained his strength. He stopped groaning. His heart sang. He received joy in his life. He knew that his sin had been forgiven. And he received the blessing of forgiveness. I don't know about you, but to me, I actually found this whole thing of confession a bit of a surprise. And what I found surprising was how central confession is in this psalm. Think about it. Everything bad in this psalm flows uh, from not of sinning, but actually of not confessing. And everything good flows from confession. And I don't think I personally really uh, come to understand how withholding confession to God is so detrimental, so dangerous. I mean, it's very easy as a Christian um, to go through the week and not really, I find, properly confess sins to God. Um, I mean, perhaps, you know, here on a Sunday we'll have the confession, uh, we'll say it together. But even then I find it quite easy to just kind of go through the motions or get a mental drift during it and, and think about other things and not really uh, confess to God. I mean, even if we do have a, a quiet time, perhaps pray to God every day, I mean, it's very easy, isn't it, to be in such a rush to get out the door in the morning that we don't actually lay ourselves bare before the Lord and, and confess specific sins. Um, but actually, what's surprising is that actually the true key to experiencing uh, the blessing of forgiveness is confession. Confession. Uh, and that's what verses 1 to 5 are all about. That's the truth of the doctrine. And then verses 6 to 11 are the application. Uh, so if true blessing is to have my sin forgiven, so confess freely and rejoice gladly. So confess freely and rejoice gladly. And that's our second point. Let's have a look at verse 6. Uh, Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you, 
Uh, So the godly there is believers or uh, Christians today. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you. Pray to you, that is, in confession, like David. So for us here today, our prescription, so to speak, from this psalm is to confess. Simple as that, it's just to confess. So not to cover up our sin like a a rug over the red wine stain or keep silent about it, not to forget about it or minimize it, uh, but instead to confess it, to admit it, to lay ourselves bare before the Lord in prayer. It means actually speaking to him about where we strayed with our thoughts today. I mean, speaking to him about, um, you know, my words, the words we've used that are wrong, about how we've sinned their actions, uh, praying to him in confession, yeah, uncovering our sin before him. And we can do so freely. We can. And I found, actually, this psalm has been a bit of a rebuke to me in my life. Uh, it's made me realize, actually, um, how slow and actually quite infrequent I am to really confess sin to God. Um, so I've decided... As a result, my New Year's resolution this year uh, is to be to confess my sins to God daily, uh, to every day uh, confess my sin to God. Um, why not make that new, your New Year's resolution? Uh, it would be one to real spiritual health this year, uh, to confess your sins daily to God. Uh, when you're on a plane just before takeoff, uh, they uh, get those safety instructions, don't we? Uh, and they always say, if the plane drops altitude, an oxygen mask will pop down from the ceiling in front of your face. And the, and the advice for the parent is always to put the mask over your own face first, and then turn and help your child. And the reasoning is, is, um, is that you know, if you put it over your child first, and then you fall unconscious, the child won't know what to do. Uh, the point is, help yourself th- first, then you're able to turn to the person next to you and help them. And I find, actually, the tempting thing with a psalm like this is to think, Oh gosh, I wish um, you know, so-and-so was here to hear this about uh, confession. Or to think, you know, it's the person sitting in front of me who really needs this. Um, but actually, what we've got to do is, you know, put the mask in front of our own face. Put it on first. And we've all, actually personally, all of us here, um, we've all got to confess and repent before we think of any others. Uh, we all need to do that. Uh, but perhaps there are some uh, here today who are looking into Christian things, uh, perhaps uh, new to Christchurch, perhaps uh, visiting. I'd love to say thanks so much for coming. Real privilege to have you here today. Um, and if you feel like you've never confessed your sins to God before, if this all sounds a bit new to you, um, I'd love to encourage you to do so. He, God longs to forgive you. He longs to cover over your sins uh, with his blood. Uh, with the blood of the Lord Jesus. Jesus died to take the punishment. Uh, He died to take the guilt of your sin. He died so that your sins may be counted against him and not you. He loves you and longs to cover over your sins with his body. Um, And actually what this psalm says is for for all of us here today, there's a real urgency for us to do this. Um, Have a look at me at verse 6, please. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you, while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. So really what it's saying is there will be a time when God won't be found. Um, uh, The uh, mighty waters, a picture echoing back to the flood, uh, Noah and the ark, uh, when God sent the waters in judgment against sin. That's the picture here. We will all have to give an answer for our sin one day. Uh, We can't avoid that. And actually then uh, it will be too late to pray to God for forgiveness. So basically the point is, now is the time to confess. Today is the day to do so. Um, 
like Noah and Ark above the flood, the waters of judgment won't reach God, nor will they reach those who trust in him. They'll be in a lifeboat. Um, they'll be protected, hidden, delivered from the waters. So I'd love to encourage you today uh, to cling on to that lifeboat, to confess, seize the day, pray to him, and you will find him. You will find him. Uh, and for those of us here uh, who do put their trust and forgiveness of God, who confess to him, for those of us who have already done that here tonight, well, there's two brilliant promises for us here in verse 7 and 8. Uh, firstly, of assurance, assurance, and secondly, instruction. So the first promise is in verse 7. Should have a look. Verse 7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. For those of us who confess, who repent, God is our hiding place. How good is that? God is our hiding place. We are 100% forgiven. God will give us assurance. We've got great assurance right here. If you like, in Psalm 32 verse 7, Psalm 32 verse 7, what are God saying? He's saying, God is promising Simon, you, Sarah, Bob, Kate, insert your own name. He's saying that he will protect us from trouble. He will. He will. He will give us himself as our hiding place. Save us a seat on the ark, so to speak. Verse 7, he will surround us with songs of deliverance when those mighty waters rise. Coming to God in confession and trust, we have nothing to worry about. We really don't. We have the best assurance ever. We really do. And so that's the first promise, assurance. And the second is of instruction. Instruction there in verse 8. Verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. So that's a great thing. We're not left on our own. We're not left on our own. Uh, we have God-given guidance, uh, teaching, instructions. We live the Christian life. We have it here in our hands, the Bible. Especially for us, it means, um, you know, there is hope for us, for those sins we keep on struggling with, and uh, the ones perhaps on our mind when we um, I think to come to God in confession. Uh, we're not left on our own in the fight. We have God's instruction, teaching his guidance. He is watching over us. It's a promise. You know, it's claim that promise uh, from him. And actually, it might not be a quick fix or an easy solution, but as all of us, as we go into 2014, there is real hope for us as we look to battle sin. As real hope. Uh, so the application is there in verse 9. I'll read it for us. Uh, don't be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Uh, I've spent the last week uh, visiting my parents-in-law, and while I was there, we walked past a field with a horse in it, so I thought, oh, here we go, time for an illustration. And I uh, saw the horse, so I did the natural thing you do when you're calling over a horse. And it just stood there, blinking into middle distance, doing nothing. So uh, I go, horsey, horsey, Mr. Horse. And of course, it carries on just standing there, blinking. And the only way, the only way for me to get that horse to come over to me would have been to leap over the fence, which would have been a struggle, uh, and then put a bit and a bridle in its mouth and physically drag it over to me. Otherwise, it wouldn't have come. And basically, what God's saying is, don't be like that. Don't be like the horse. Don't be like that. Don't be stubborn or unresponsive. Don't be deaf. Be obedient. Come to him. Confess freely, trusting in him. Come to him today in confession. Come to him today. And verse 10 um, really puts it in perspective. Verse 10, many are the ways of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds a man who trusts in him. There's a competition. Woes of the wicked, or those who trust in him. Well, it's not much one, is it? 
Where's the wicked? We've seen what that's like. It's awful, isn't it? Paralyzing guilt, spiritual decay, or on the other hand, God's unfailing love, being surrounded with songs of deliverance. It's, you know, it's not really much of a competition. His unfailing love, it won't let us down. It won't. It won't be second best. It won't be too little. His love surrounds the person who trusted him. It's our protection, our hiding place. It's the best. It's brilliant. Even though I'm a sinner, I'm an awful sinner. Even though I'm a sinner, I'm forgiven. My sins aren't counted against me. They don't have to rot me up. Jesus has covered them over. He's died for me. We've got amazing, uh, got, basically got an amazing insurance plan against death. No worry about it. We've got instruction on how to live. We're forgiven. We're forgiven. That's why verse 11 says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. That's why we can rejoice gladly. We can sing because God has made us upright in heart. He's made us righteous. We're right with God. Our sins aren't counted against us if, we're, if we've confessed, if we're forgiven. It's glorious. Um, so what all of us, we really need at this new year today is the true blessing to have my sin forgiven. Uh, so we need to confess freely to God today and then we can all rejoice gladly. Uh, so we'll do that now uh, on the order of service. Uh, there's a, a confession there. And before we read the confession, um, for those of us uh, who, are, who are ready to do that, let's spend some time uh, in silence uh, just um, speaking to God personally on our own, perhaps bringing up uh, areas we know we need to confess, areas we've forgotten about. Uh, Let's spend some good time in um, personal confession. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Therefore you are feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord. For with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem his people from all their sins. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven whose sins are covered. 
Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him.